Friends, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cutting Room Floor. Our hope is that through this ministry, you can find the transforming power of Jesus in the new year. We also want you to share that transforming power with others. Would you click the subscribe button so you get episodes when they drop? Then, would you also pray about who God might be calling you to share this with this year? We're so glad we're a part of your faith journey, and now to today's episode. Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into Mark 4, Jesus teaching about the nature of the kingdom of God. One of the famous parables of Jesus is in here, the parable of the sower and the different types of soil, one that has been preached on and had a bunch of ink spilled uh, as a result of it. Um, Pastor Dina, it was a very, very large passage. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, just enormous. Um, in some ways, I really like the fact that the narrative lectionary does this um, because it does give us an overview and it gives us a chance to look at these larger sections and say, oh, growth. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we take each story, we 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 dig for the meaning in each individual parable, in each individual story. And that's great and good and important. But, but as you said, seeing them in bigger chunks, we see, oh, wait, Jesus was connecting all of these things that that each one can stand on its own, but it's strengthened when you look at it in the context of what else Jesus was saying at the time, too. Yeah, so what in in seeing this scripture, 34 verses in all, preached together in a kind of meandering, haphazard way, <laughs> it felt like, sorry, that's my own commentary on my own preaching, um, what were the things that stood out to you? What what came to life that maybe wouldn't have had we done that as a, a simple, you know, let's take each individual passage on its own? Um, I think, as you said, the theme of growth overall. And, you know, it's not just about the soil. It's not just about the seed. It's not just about the harvest. Um, it, you know, all these things linked together and and gave us a fuller picture of what it really means to to grow things and most specifically grow the community of Christ. And I think, you know, especially with the most famous of the passages with the soil, we don't we don't get the the edge that Jesus has later. Um, you had started the sermon by pointing out that it can get uncomfortable as Jesus addresses the church mm -hmm. and makes it uncomfortable in an effort to grow. And that that got me to think um, really, I think, you know, I wrote it as a question, but I think I know the answer is yes. Does all growth require discomfort? And, mm. and yes, you know, anytime we leave one thing behind and, and cling to another, it, it involves a loss. It involves leaving something behind. It involves a change. And, um, you know, the, my, my favorite shoes from when I was four aren't going to still fit when I'm 14. I have to leave them behind and maybe I'll get similar shoes, but they're not going to be the same shoes. And, and I think as the church grows and not just numerically, I think, I think that's important, but as right. we grow in our faithfulness, in our call, in our mission, that, that it means leaving some things behind. It means being intentional about where we spend our resources and our energy and our space and our time um and that can be an uncomfortable thing because i think so often we want to do it all or we want to cling to what 
has worked in the past and try new things from the future for the future. But then that just leaves us doing both things poorly. Um, we it seems like as as the church as humans we really we struggle with that that pain that discomfort and growing and that leaving leaving things behind. Well, thank you for summarizing four years of doctoral work up in <laughs> in two minutes. There you go. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, I agree with you. the The answer is yes. And any time we grow, it's uncomfortable. Um, and I think I the the analogy that or the image that I always harp on when talking about this is just think back to middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd rather not. Thanks. <laughs> exactly, because that was a period of rapid growth mm-hmm. in in a lot of different ways in our bodies. And so, um, as, as we think about that, that's a very uncomfortable. That's a very a painful time for a lot of people, um, you know, and, and then you have photos of it later yeah. and you're like, wait, the eighties and nineties bangs. What? Yeah. No. Um, Why did people talk to me when my hair looked like that? Yeah. Um, and so, yes, you're correct. The growth necessitates pain, um, because it's, it's a change. Um, and change necessitates loss and, and they aren't the same change is not loss, but change necessitates loss. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, that is true. And I think that's why we struggle all throughout our lives with, even with with positive things, with graduations, with weddings, that that in, in those life changes, you are leaving something behind. You're leaving behind the schooling that you used to, to do mm-hmm. in order to pursue something different. You're leaving behind a singleness and a independence for something completely new where you're intertwining your life with someone else and all of a sudden now you have to consider them with every single decision <laughs> yeah. you make from yeah. what to have to for dinner to what should we invest in. And, um, and those are great and wonderful life things, but but they do, they involve loss and change and, and stress in the midst of it. And I think, I mean, obviously the same is true for the church too. And in this post-Christian or post-Christian, I can't even keep track of how many posts we're on at this point. <laughs> I think in the Pittsburgh area, we're just on on one. One post. Yep. Um, that, you know, as we figure out who are we now and what is God calling the church to be in 2024 in this world where church isn't given the, the priority that it used to be, that we do, we have to figure out what, what to leave behind and what to take with us and what new to pick up on the way. And mm. and it is uncomfortable and difficult, especially because, you know, when any, whenever there's more than one person making the decision, there's not always the, we don't always say leave behind the same things and pick up the same things. And so we're navigating all of that as we, as we try to grow and change and move forward. I think that's a great reminder to in our individual discipleship as well, not just our corporate discipleship, Mm -hmm. but that individually as we grow, uh, growing closer to Jesus necessarily means growing more distant from some of the things in our lives that characterize them in life before Christ. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I found enjoyment in, uh, let's say in gambling, or if I found it in, in, um, if I found it in, in, drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, that it doesn't necessarily mean that I, I 
give up, um, you know, drinking altogether. Um, you know, our Baptist friends could have some things to say that, about that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a good Scott-Irish Presbyterian, but it, it means that the relationship is necessarily changed. And so when someone says, hey, do you want to go out and, you know, do you want to go out and party tonight? Um, my relationship with alcohol and my relationship with what that means is is necessarily changed and, and there's a loss that's involved in that. And that that's, that's really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same could be said of things that, that don't even qualify as, as vices, but right. You know, get the giving up the, the priority of hanging out with friends and, and gathering. I mean, we see it at the holidays all the time too, you know, well, my family tradition is to gather on this day and to, you know, to all be together. And then you have the competing values of, of wanting to worship and wanting to be with your church family as well. Um, and so, so yeah, like even, even the good things, so to speak, need to be left in some ways behind as we embrace the things of Christ. You know, one of the things that I, uh, that I struggle with ongoing is, is my relationship with food and and that necessarily needs to be transformed by mm-hmm. my relationship with Christ. And, and that's been an ongoing work. And, um, you know, um, I, I, I used to joke, yes, my body is a temple with a two car garage. <laughs> um, and I'm realizing that maybe I should lose the two car garage. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's those things that, that like, okay, like, am I, there's enjoyment, but am I doing this because, you know, I, there's some other, you know, I, am I eating my my feelings away or, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that? Am I finding my comfort in in this rather than finding my comfort in, in life and in death in my my faithful savior? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, what you said is is absolutely true. It's 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 the little things too. Yeah. Um, and as we find out from some of the parables, uh, not these parables per se, but uh, when we're able to be faithful with those smaller things, then Jesus starts to build us up more and more. And mm-hmm. you know, if you've been faithful with a little. Now I'm going to give you some more. Yeah. No, and it starts you, the pro- <laughs> yeah, and then it starts the process all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, even even the things that. You know, I think, you know, our relationship with money and the comforts of this world and the way we and the way we view other people, I think, you know, that's something the more I I try to grow into that idea of loving neighbors means I've had to leave behind some of my assumptions about what what people did to cause them to end up in this situation or that situation or yeah, um, even, you know. Even pe- the people with bad attitudes, like, oh, man, if I'm going to love them, then I have to consider that that maybe they're not just a miserable human being, that they're, you know, they're really <laughs> struggling with things beyond what I know. And um, and that can be hard cause, because internally or externally, we really like the things we like and the, the um, to leave them behind is hard. It, you know, it's it's hard to constantly be thinking of other people instead of just your own wants and needs it's um yeah growth is growth is great but it's it's, also uncomfortable yeah it's also uncomfortable and and um and hard and i think you know as we look through the other as the uh through the other passages you know has to be intentional but is also completely mysterious (laughs) and and outside us too like it's it's this strange combination of of it's not just gonna 
happen. Like we have to be sowing the seeds, but also we have to trust that God is going to do immensely different things than what we might expect or even want. That that was some of my thinking as I was going into this sermon. As I was reading it, I, I, I thought, okay, we preach that, and I said this directly in the sermon, but we preach that that our salvation is is a work of God alone. But where do we come into the picture? Because we don't sit idly by. Right. Jesus didn't say uh, to his disciples, you're going to be forgiven, so just... Just hang out there and wait. Yeah. yeah. But he, he actively trained them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, only he could go to the cross. But he sent them out on on their own missions. He sent them out two by two. He, you know, he involved them in his in his work in his mission. And so, for me, I was trying to answer in some ways this question of where do we fit into the picture? How is it that that um, the kingdom of God, if we don't do the work of salvation, how does the kingdom of God actually involve us in a meaningful way in the expansion of of Christ's community? And so it it does have that that paradox and that and it's hard at times in life to figure that out yeah i think yeah and i I really can't think of too many other things that just happen without our effort and yet we're also we also need to put in effort maybe parenting would come the closest like your kids are going to grow one way or another yeah but we also have to work alongside that growth process to help them be the people that that we want them to be and that that God wants them to be and that the world needs them to be. Um but yeah. yeah, it's a strange it's a strange tension to hold that you know what I do doesn't matter. God's going to do far more than I can ask or imagine anyway. And yet I also have this mandate to to share my story, to sow seeds to um to be a farmer in the midst of this one of the one of the parts of this that i think if we go back to the corporate level and talk about churches um i think one of the things that churches forget is that passage uh that in the middle of this i think it's around 22 where um jesus says you know you don't hide the a lamp under a bowl mm-hmm. um and he says you know whoever has will be given more but whoever doesn't have it'll be taken from him um and I think churches forget that. Uh, too many churches, especially older established churches, will be like, we've been here since the flood, we're going to be here. And Jesus has no regard for history except in terms of our cooperation with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he says, oh, you, you know, you have been faithful in cooperating with me. I'm going to give you more responsibility. You, I over here, I was trying to get you to cooperate with me, but you continue to do your own thing. Um, you're going to find that that you are in decline now because I, I'm going to take this away from you and give it to someone who else who's going to actually relay my message. Yeah, and again, this isn't a new thing that, that Jesus is saying. You know, we keep joking how much time we spent in the Old Testament slogging through, but but really we, you know, not so much in the passages we highlighted in the narrative lectionary, but in the in-between passages, when the Israelites were faithful to God and acted when God said act and waited when God said wait and um, and did what was being asked of them, remained faithful, then then they grew and they exploded and they overcame their their enemies, even when by every measure of the world 
they should not have. Yeah. And yet when, when they forced through on their own and didn't listen to God, even though again, they should have been able to overtake these enemies. They were unable to. And so, um, so again, we see this idea of, of faithfulness to God being the measure of, or being behind what makes something grow and not our own effort. And yet there still had to be that listening, that, that paying attention to what, what God was saying and being ready to go when God said go and being ready to step back when God said step back. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, again, this is such a, it can be a painful passage because it can reveal to us all the ways that we have fallen short yep. <laughs> of our calling in in life. And, you know, Jesus isn't saying this to, to shame us, but he wants us to understand. He, it, I've said it a couple times in the past couple of weeks. If we're going to be people of truth, then we need to be people of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be able to look in the mirror and we need to be able to look at the scripture and, and have it reflect back to us whether we have been faithful uh, in our calling to God or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, it, we want to be able to, to then move forward from that point and say, okay, I have some changes that I need to make by the power of the Holy spirit. Cause I know that's how I'm going to be doing it, but I also need to, I also know that I need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we can take that cooperation into, uh, into the future. And so, you know, this isn't self-help, Right. And and I want to say that, but it is becoming what we were always meant to be in our calling in God. Um, and, and that's, and it takes work. I mean, Paul said, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget whether it was Ruth Haley Barton or um, who it was. Uh, no, uh, the gift of being yourself is the book, but I can't think of the author. But he said, you know, humans are the only creatures on earth, are the only part of creation that struggles with becoming. Mm. Everything David else. David G. Brenner. David Brenner. Brenner. Yes, Brenner. Brenner. Uh, uh, David Brenner. And he, it's a great thing. You know, my dogs at home never struggle with what they should become as dogs. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they just are. Uh, the tree never ponders its treeness, um, but we ponder what we're to become so many times, mm-hmm. and it's just a, a sign that we are created. You know, if if we think it's difficult by ourselves, maybe it's because we we're never meant to do it by ourselves, but mm-hmm. we are meant to be in community with one another and with God. Yeah, yeah, and and a part of that, as, as we see throughout this passage, is sharing our story. And I love that in the sermon you brought out that. Um, I mean, a couple different things about sh- sharing good news, but that, you know, we share it with, with Christians, we share it, you know, with fellow Christians, we share it with non-Christians, we share it in the church, we share it outside of the church, because if we're pointing to what God is doing in our lives, we never know how God will use that in the life of someone else, someone who is already being faithful, but needs encouraged or challenged, someone who can't take that final step to be faithful, but, but sees us living that life and sharing our stories and is, is, you know, spurred on to do that. Um, whatever that, that again, to go back to the parables, we have this idea of just, you know, 
spraying the seed everywhere get you know wherever wherever there's not a seed plant some and just let let god take it from there and not worrying about what kind of soil and not um not think too much about how it's going to grow up or or what that that's so far beyond what we're responsible for that right that we don't need to waste any time on it yeah uh two comments because you bring up the fact that you know we should be able to to tell our story within the church um two comments on that one is that the the church should be a great proving ground for these stories we should be able to to lift one another up mm-hmm. um, and to be able to encourage one another in our stories and to be able to, to refine those stories and say, tell me more about this part. You kind of glossed over it. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually really interesting. Actually, maybe more interesting than than this part over here and not a proving ground, not to, to, you know, what's the best marketing, but to sharpen our storytelling skills so that we can clearly point to to the work of God in our lives in a way that 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 gives him glory. Mm-hmm. Um, the second point that I want to make in terms of that is exactly what you said in terms of, um, you know, we don't know who's sitting in the pews. Mm-hmm. And it, and if we were to assume that, well, I'm not going to tell my story because who wants to hear that? And, and um, what, what good is it anyway? Or more I, like the, my story pales in comparison to what that person's been through. Or correct. That person's story over there. Exactly. But you know, we, um, sorry, distracted by the jelly beans. Um, but the, that it does strengthen the church, mm-hmm. no matter how long or how short. I shared a very small st- snippet of my story, but I imagine it. I, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit uses it to strengthen someone, strengthen someone there, and say, "Oh, it does make a difference." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you know, he is a pastor there not because of training, but because of passion, mm-hmm. and that means something. Um, or, but yeah, I, I see that in myself or, or whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I was saved from, you know, what we think of as the big sins. Right. Right. And that, I think, you know, that's what I think why I said so often we can deceive ourselves into thinking, well, my story is not as great as this person's story because I, you know, I didn't have any major sins in my life I didn't have anything major I overcame I didn't have any traumatic losses that God brought me through um you know and 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 so often it seems like especially growing up in the the 90s and early 2000s when some of these big ministries were were at their peak Mm -hmm. those were the stories that got highlighted though you know and not even the trauma but you know I'm a Christian and now I'm spending the next four years in Africa or whatever, but like those big extreme things were lifted up so much and, and praise God for them, for those people that are living faithfully, but, but it can also be faithful to live in suburbia and, you know, doing life with just the, the other soccer moms around you and, and that kind of thing. That's right. That's right. And that's that's why we need to be telling those stories. And that's why Revelation 12 is an important adjunct mm-hmm. to this, you know, to hear that that the saints overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And to recognize that, that okay, they're not equal in power, but they're put there equally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, you don't have the word of our, the testimony if you don't have the blood of the Lamb. Um, 
but also recognizing that the the blood of the lamb without saying what was done it gets pretty impotent pretty quickly yeah yeah and that reminds me you know as you were preaching you asked the question you know how how is a relationship with jesus made a difference in your life and really before we can share before we can plant the seed we have to notice these things in our own lives and it sounds super simple but that is i think that's a place where the church has fallen dramatically short in helping people to see Mm. the work of god in their lives i mean we asked did you do your devotions did you come to worship did you put a a check in the offering plate um you know have you avoided these behaviors that we said don't do and have you done these behaviors that we said do but we don't really help people to think about where how what difference are you noticing in your life Mm, yeah because even and often i've heard it phrased as where did you see god today and i think that's a good start but i don't even think that really gets at it because that some that ends up in pat answers of it ends up in external answers right like i saw god in the in the sunshine that we can see yeah well okay Sunshine in Pittsburgh in midwinter is kind pretty of pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know what I mean? Like I yeah. saw it in the bluebirds and, or I saw it in this, and I saw it, but rarely is it, you know, the Holy spirit is really trying to knock out this attitude that I have that, that is really negative against people that I don't know mm-hmm. and thinks poorly of them. Um, and I saw for the first time today that I was able to say, you know what, maybe that person is having a tough day. Yeah. Without thinking, well, that person's a jerk. Right, right. And recognizing that those stories, to your point, like we, we say we don't have the big sins or, you know, we, re- mm-hmm. but, but any story of transformation is a miracle and a work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and, and a work of Christ's redemption and an outworking of the cross. And, and that's what I want people to understand in their lives is that, that, that transformation is an outworking of the cross, a continuing miracle of the greatest miracle of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're each a part of that. You're a part of that when any time that Christ works on you and brings that ghastly, uncomfortable growth yeah. uh, that uh, you know says, all right, now I'm going to move you forward. Yeah. Now I'm going to move you forward. We're going to put this behind us. Um, and, and that's... That's a story that deserves to be told. Yeah. Yeah. And it, as you said, it's every bit as remarkable as the, the dramatic turns away from what we, what we typically classify as a sinful life, the drinking, the drugs, the, you know, all all the different vices that Mm -hmm. we can list, list out. Um, But, but to say I'm not the selfish person I once was is every bit as as impressive as significant as you said um and to downplay yeah. that really is to downplay the work of Jesus yeah yeah We're, and again it takes it takes hard work to notice those things about yourself about your faith about your your walk um it it ta- you know you have to be mindful you have to be thoughtful you have to be introspective because those aren't the things that i I mean people may notice 
eventually, hey, you know, a couple years ago, this would have made you fly off the handle. And now, and now you're much more patient, but, but the internal stuff, no one knows your heart. Yeah. You know, that, that only you can notice those different things in your heart, in your thoughts, in your, um, in your demeanor. And there are those, uh, those, uh, those people around us that do know us and say, I could see where you wanted to go, Mm -hmm. but you didn't. Yeah. That, that was a huge, that was huge. Yeah. That took a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks so, it looks so minor on the outside, but some people will be able to recognize it. Like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, that was, that was different. Yeah. Uh, I was ready for the explosion. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there was, as you might imagine, there was a ton that I cut from this. Yeah. So, um, no joke. I actually had an entire extra section, an extra point to my sermon that nice. I just flat out cut okay. at the last second. Um, so, if you watch the YouTube of the sermon, there were no, um, there was no um, uh, like words, you know, the points across mm-hmm. the bottom, which is good because I did a, I did a real <laughs> quick um, uh, surgery um, uh, to the sermon right before, um, right before we started worship, and. Um, you know, that, that's good and bad. I think it was a good idea to cut it. I think it would have been way, way too long. But also then it tends to be meandery in mm. my own head. So, but, uh, you know, talking about the human side of, of the equation here, um, you know, I talked about the fact that God wants to partner with us. And one of the things that I left out is the cultivation. And, mm. and we've been talking about that a little bit. You know, the, sol- the soils... You know, one of the questions that I asked Sunday school is like, is Jesus saying that you're one of these soils and that's it? And that just explains it. Or is there a, a, a dynamic quality to it here? Um, because I want people to understand that that it's not like, oh man, I got a three-fourths chance of being a lousy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lousy example. Of not having the word take root in my heart. Exactly. Um, and what I want people to understand is that Jesus doesn't say this because it's deterministic. It's not fatalistic here, but it gives us a chance to examine our own heart and say, you know what, do the comforts of this world and the stresses and so on actually do kind of choke me out at times from my faith. Um, or, you know, am I one of those people that like, I'll be on fire for like two weeks and then, and, and then yeah. just go back and, and everyone around me is like, yeah, they, he goes through phases. Mm-hmm. Um, and to allow us then to look and say, okay, Lord, what is it that I need to do with this soil that is my life in order for the word to take deeper root? Because I understand there's more that you have for me. Mm-hmm. Again, that goes back to the, the, like, we don't have to understand it all, but as long as we understand there's something more and something deeper for us, we can say, I don't know what it is, but, but I'd like it because my life is just kind of, it, it is what it is. Um, and, and I understand that you want life to the full and I'm not sure that, that I have that in this world. So, uh, so there is work of self-cultivation, you know. What are the rocks? What are the thorns in our lives? Um, and looking at it and, and uh, understanding from the scripture what what the sort of things are that actually choke out the 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 work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and again, those things are going to look different when we're fourteen versus when we're twenty five and mm-hmm. thirty five, and you know, and everywhere in between. So again, it goes back to that idea of of really being thoughtful about what Jesus is doing in my life, what kind of soil 
am I being what's what is choking things out what what is snatching the word from my hand you know are the is the the weekly news the daily news of all that is going Doom on scrolling yeah um I I had the the responsibility for picking the prayer of confession this week and I really loved that phrase um about how we view God like do we um can we hold the the a loving God in the same hands as we hold the you know inhumanity and cruelty that we see around us let me find it um it says um it was before the mystery of the universe our minds cannot grasp a god who embraces infinity and in the face of natural disasters and cruel inhumanity we doubt a god that that says love reigns and um again those are things that we have to grapple with in our in our heads like are these things snatching the word of god from my life are they you know and 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 if so if the answer is yes then then what do i do about that do i do i filter what i watch or scroll or or whatever do i start you know praying to view things in a different way and the answer is probably all of the above yeah but yeah um but to really think through all those things and, and as christians we have a really powerful and really difficult opportunity um i'm reminded because um yesterday of course the the um all the football games were interrupted to bring news of the first caucus of the 2024 presidential election. Uh-huh. And um, it does not look like it's going to be a, an uncontentious one hmm. as, uh, as uh, you know, it's not going to be, be fair weather politics. And I think as Christians, we have the opportunity to say, how are we going to sow the seed of the faith of Jesus's call to the kingdom of God in the midst of a kingdom that is really fight, divided, <laughs> really divided and, and has sharply different ideas as to what the way forward looks like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know we're not a kingdom, but, but we're, yeah. you know, we but are, we all have different ideas of what even faithfulness looks that's right. like. That's right. Um, and you know, that's a good reminder that, uh, you know, Jesus was not speaking to just a few people when he was talking about sowing seed and ex- growing the kingdom and expanding his community. You know, he was talking to everyone and we all have the opportunity. You know, too often it, it gets to be like, well, it's the Sunday school teachers or it's the uh, pastors or it's the elders. Mm-hmm. No, it's all of us in our interactions. We are representing Christ in one way or another. Uh, um, and how are we using those opportunities um, to, to show that, that, uh, there is something greater and there is something more wonderful, um, that all of our todays find their fulfillment. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. I was just looking and maybe something we miss when we just take one passage at a time. Um, but you know, in the first passage passage, it's the farmer, who's sowing the seed. But later when he's talking about um, the the way the seed grows and the mystery of that, it just says a man scattered se- scatters seeds on the ground. And then 
the mustard seed grows on 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 its own. So it's not just one one category of people, one, you know, the farmers yeah. who are responsible for scattering the seed, but we really when we read it all together, you know, we get the sense that it's more than just these few people. And of so, course, in this day, nearly everyone were farmers of one sort right, or another, exactly. but still it, it's not it's not just the the professional Christians that yes. are responsible to do this, you know, that that it's got to be so much more than um, than just the pastors or even just the elders and the deacons. Like that this is a, respons- a responsibility of everyone who's in the kingdom of God. Yes. And, and so you actually got right on the border of another point that I was going to make. And, and thank you for actually, that makes the point even stronger, I think. Um, is the fact that that in that story about a man goes out and sows the seed and he goes to, to bed and wakes up in the morning and he doesn't know how it grows, but it does. Uh, one of the themes that I could have gone toward is proper harvesting because it says when it's when the grain has sprouted and everything, he goes out and he he harvests at the mm-hmm. right time. And so it's not just a farmer that's going out, but this, this person, whoever he is, um, understands the seasons and understands when it is to, to go out and harvest. So he understands the difference between planting and reaping. Mm-hmm. He understands the, the difference between the growth process and when something's fully mature. Yeah. And ready. And that's, I think that's an important thing as we think about the difference Jesus has made in our life. And as we share our story and to bring in a, a point that you did make, you know, that, that we have a story that only we can tell. Yes. Um, and, and part of Christian maturity is knowing when, when to speak that and when not. And, you know, we, we can't, we can't look at our lives and say like, oh, I'm so patient now. This is, this is great. You should be patient too. You know, yeah. you should let the spirit work in your life. Like it took, it took time and seasons in our life and we have to learn to respect that in the lives of others. Yeah. Too. There's, there's a big difference between let me tell you mm-hmm. and can I share from my own experience. Yeah. Th- those are two totally different attitudes. Yeah. Um, and and can, will be received uh, totally different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between you did something wrong and, hey, can we have a conversation? Yeah. Um, so, you know, di- uh, different things there. Yeah. And again, and knowing, you know, when to even... Oh, sorry. I have a sneeze. Oh. I think it's gone. Okay. Bless you. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, when when to expect fruit in the lives of others? You know, if they've, if they've just joined the church, you can't expect them to jump into leadership right away. If they're yeah. just starting out in their, their lives, you can't expect them to, in their lives of faith, you can't expect them to have the maturity of someone who has been walking this road for 40 years. And, yeah. Um, you know, as one who works with youth, sometimes we forget that. Like, yeah. These, you know, these these people are just starting out on their life of faith, whether they're 14 or or 17, whatever. You can't expect them to have it all together and um, and to, to know how to act and to know how to do things. And as you said, that's the job of the whole church yes. to to form people who are help form people who are just starting out on their journeys um wh- again whether they're whether they're four years old or 14 or 44 it's our job to to 
share our stories so that their their lives will be shaped and informed and really i mean that's that's the promise we make when we join with the community of god you know we're promising when we join a church when we profess our faith we're promising to be a part of that life of faith and yeah. to let jesus inform our lives and let jesus work through us to inform other people's lives that's the promises we make at baptism for um especially for infants but really for any age you know we're promising to help shape them and form them and 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 we do that by sharing our own lives yeah absolutely and and that gets into one other thing that i cut that i could have gone into that first parable the the one that's so famous about the different soils Mm because that if you've been around the church world a little bit um you're probably familiar with because it's probably it's been preached on a fair number of times um but one of the things that it instructs us on is that that um, it gives it shows us how we can get choked out at the different level, levels of maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an ex, it it because Jesus goes from very very shallow maturity to to the fully mature Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, he starts out with you know the the soil that can't even receive the seed because it's too hard, and so as a result, the the birds come in and eat the seed. But then goes to shallow soil where it springs up and then dies very quickly, and then it goes on to seed that actually does grow. Um, it, it it does grow to a certain extent, but but the big knock on that seed that gets choked out is that it never actually produces fruit. Mm. It's never able to reproduce. Whereas the the fully mature seed turns into a plant that reproduces, um, and one of the very pointed lessons in there that we don't like to talk about is Jesus is making a point that that mature Christians reproduce mm-hmm. um, just as a natural result of their maturity in Christ. Um, he, he's not necessarily saying that, um, you know, you go out and you force the, the, the issue, um, but uh, that as a natural result, there's a, there's a, a further harvest that comes as the result of a fully mature Christian. Yeah, if you think about the life of a flower, it it grows up, it's beautiful, and then and then it turns back to more seed. So from one seed comes fifty seeds or five hundred seeds if you're a sunflower. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, that that sense that that this beautiful life is not that this beautiful life in Christ is not enough on its own. That until until more seed comes from it then it's not it's not fully mature and that's that's the problem because mature things reproduce and if you're not reproducing maybe you're not mature yeah and that's that's the painful yeah lesson that comes out of that because um i think for too many people who grew up in a christendom era you came you sat and it was the pastor that brought people in you know Mm -hmm. you get the the biggest shiniest pastor you can yeah that money that your budget can afford um and, and it's their job to bring them in, but really it's, you know, as we learn in this, it is the job of everyone. And that doesn't mean that, oh crap, I'm not reproducing, therefore, and by the way, if you're giggling through this, just keep giggling, it's okay. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, I'm giggling in my head. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean if, you're, if you don't have some sort of, of way that your faith is reproducing in others, whether it's in your kids, whether it's in those around you, that doesn't mean, oh, shoot, I need to go up to them and say, do you know Jesus? Yeah. The call then is to work on our own maturity because it's out of the maturity that the reproduction happens. 
Yeah. And and I think to go back to that idea of you, you each have an uh, a story that only we can tell, that that reproduction looks different for everyone. And for some of us, we do turn into pastors and and <laughs> share our faith that way. <laughs> I know it's scary. Um, for some of us, we do get called to foreign lands and um, and share our faith that way. That's but every single one of us has our own way of of producing seed of of plant of living faithfully. And sometimes I think that can be used as, as an excuse like, oh, that's not my call to, you know, to share to be an evangelist. But, but so we again, we have to find that balance between we're all called differently and to to live differently and sh- to share differently. But if there's no if you're not sharing at all, if you're not living your life in such a way that others see the gospel in it and find it attractive, then then are you really living as a mature Christian? Yeah. And to your point about, you know, we, we say, well, if you're really mature, you, you become a pastor. If you're really, really, then you become a, a missionary. Um, you know, a reminder that just as the, the story that isn't as exciting, but maybe the, like what I shared with the overcoming of... of um, you know, selfishness um, mm-hmm. in in that instance. And by the way, I shared that story. I had been uh, a Christian. I would have considered myself a Christian for a number of years, actually, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, God is always working. Um, and the Holy Spirit is always working and, and taking us deeper. But, um, you know, the, the faithful father and mother that disciples their children to know and love God— mm-hmm is just as faithful as the the person who was called, you know, 5,000 miles away from their home mm-hmm. to, to minister to people they don't know. Yeah. There is no difference in the kingdom economy of those two callings. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, we, we lose sight of that a lot again, because we lift up the exceptions, the, the remarkable things the people that have given up everything or um but yeah I, I think and sometimes I think it's every bit as hard to raise Christian children in a you know mostly affluent area and and children that 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 love Jesus and and love other people and are willing to give their lives for other people you know to care about other people as much or more than they care about themselves um as it is to to go on a mission trip and to serve and to um, or to to live overseas and share the gospel that way, yeah, um, maybe different kinds of hard, definitely different kinds of hard, but um, and the and the the uh, you know to to take this a different direction, but the the faithful the faithful church member who takes interest in a struggling mother and father in their congregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is able to love and uh, love them into their own and love them into a uh, uh, faith in Jesus is just as as good and wonderful and miraculous as the 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 foreign mm-hmm. the foreign missionary. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and God delights in each of those things. I mean, I think you know, as I think as we think about reproducing and growing the kingdom of God I think there can be a sense of like oh but this is really hard work and I don't know if I want to do this but often it helps me to think about God delighting in in each of those little 
steps. And, you know, every time I share my story, whether it's with my kids or with a stranger, you know, whether, whether it helps someone who's been a, a Christian to just take a step further or whether it introduces someone to Christ for the very first time, like God is glorified by that and delights in that and rejoices yeah. in that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I forget what the statistic was. I remember the two end statistics. I can't remember the the middle one, but it, you know, it takes two years with, is it five different people? Was it seven? It was seven hearings. Okay. So maybe five different people. Yeah. I think it's two, two years with five different people in seven different hearings of the gospel for mm-hmm. someone to actually put their faith in Christ. And so, you know, you might be person number one at year number, at day number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really that really speaks to that that those few verses that we that get glossed over a lot. Um that all by itself the soil produces grain and you know without that that the farmer, the man who planted doesn't doesn't know how and doesn't really give a lot of thought to how this is going to happen. Um but he's we, there faithfully. But it's there but it yeah, he's there faithfully. Um sewing and and yeah we we don't know and and sometimes we get the the grace of being able to see what what our lives have meant to someone else um in terms of their life of faith but sometimes i think we're just gonna have to wait until heaven to to really get a sense of what our life meant that's right that's right wow we could go on on this one yeah this was a this was a big one and I think, I mean, I think the next several weeks are yeah, the, giant chunks of scripture. The narrative lectionary is not going to be kind, but it also gives me a, an idea that, you know, maybe we start going through things, we take a big chunk and then break it down. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure, you know, we'll get, we'll reevaluate our preaching schedule at the end of the narrative lectionary this year, but, you know, maybe some, some idea for the future. Yeah. So, wow. Good conversation. Yeah. And, and hopefully that if you are listening, hopefully you have found this beneficial. We want you to know the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We want you to, we want you to be encouraged. If this feels heavy, um, take a moment and remember that the growth is God's and mm-hmm. he's looking for faithfulness. Um, and we're happy to talk to you about that at any time. Um, any final words there, Pastor Dina? No, just, I mean, if, I guess if you're longing for this kind of growth in your life, then then get yourself some people who will share their faith and their struggles and their their reflections on where they've grown and where they still need to grow. Like have those kinds of friends in your life. When we when we talk about expanding Christ community through relationship, that's what we're talking about. Um, more than more than just someone to have dinner with or someone to sit with at the potluck like get yourself the kind of people who are willing to to bear their hearts to you in an effort to help you grow too yeah good word well another good conversation and Mm -hmm. uh uh hopefully this one helps you Uh, give us feedback we we'd love to know how you're doing we'd love to know uh how you are growing but until next time i'm pastor james and i'm pastor dina and we hope this helps you connect sunday to the weekday